Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me on the Sunday Fun Day Adventure is the only person, aside from Heath Smith and Browning, Brandon Browning, that know what happened to me four years ago after a fateful gig at Lucky's Burger Shack. Wait, what? Mr. Jake, Papa J-Bones, Parlor. Yes. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Woo, yeah, that forgot, was intense. I, I forgot Brandon mm. was even there. Brandon was my savior. So true. Brandon yeah. was the man that that took me. Folks, I had an emergency bathroom incident. It was calling, gang. Ew. It was calling. We were in the middle of a set. We were rocking out for these random people at a burger restaurant. And man, I thought I was going to die from stomach pains, listeners. It was bad. And Heath and Jake were jamming. They were rocking. They were having a good time. And Heath was like, hey, they said we could play for another hour. You want to go? And I was like, no. That's a fact. We need to stop immediately. Yeah. Oh. You were... I, I, I I just remember looking back after one song, and you were sitting back there hunched over... And you were mm. sweating so bad, and then mm. Heath was like, "Heath was like, yeah, man, let's keep going." And I was like, <laughs> I, don't, "I don't think Ben's gonna make it." Nope. I was not. It was a good idea not to keep going. I almost did not make it. Whew. But other than that ending, good show, Jake. It was a good yeah. show. You it know, was fun. it was. It was Ken Vogler got some paparazzi shots that are still on my wall from that from that gig. We still got some still got some paparazzi shots of us rocking out right yeah. here in the studio. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Now, Jake, the, you weren't he what what? Go go for it. I was gonna say go those are the those are the pictures that Ken always whips out to show me how fat I used to be. <laughs> Wait, what? That's that's yeah. That sounds about how mean Ken is. So yeah, true. That sounds yeah. about right. That sounds good for Ken. Uh, but continue, Jake. Last show, um, we 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 talked about animals. You missed it. Me and Dave, we went down a, a trip, memory lane of animals. Because we, I, I talk about a lot of different animals on this show: cats, dogs, <laughs> birds of all sorts, reptiles. Yeah. You know. I'm an animal fan. Would you consider yourself an animal fan? Oh, yeah. All the way. Yeah? Nice. Good. Good. You should be. You should be. That's right. Uh, I think they're, you know, the animal that we didn't talk about enough, and I brought this up in the last show, crows. Crows, Jim. Yeah. You're, you're a big a, uh, pro, well, they're, pro crow guy. They're very smart. They're very smart, these crows. Very smart. You know? So next time you hear yeah. a crow having a conversation outside, c- c- try to join in. Word. Try to try to have a convo with them because they're they may teach you a thing or two. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. We are pro crow though. You are correct, Jake. We are pro crow on this show. Pro crow show. That's what we got here. Faux show. That's it. 
Um, Jake, there is something, though, I was reminded of this week that I am not pro. And what animal or what species would that be? It's in the insect family, Jake. Now, most people are not fans. Yeah, I mean, a lot of creepy crawlies folks are not a fan of, you know? I mean, even when you, let's be honest, even when you flip over a ladybug, it's pretty gross on the underside, you know? So true. It's, oh, yeah. it's cute on the top, but you flip it over and you're like, oh, that's gross. Looks almost like a roach with a hard shell on top. That's no good, right? A beautiful hard right? shell. But we're not here to talk about ladybugs, Jake. Nope. I'm here to talk about gnats. I gnats. Hmm. G gnats. G gnats. Yes, of the I variety. You know the type. You go outside, and these turds just, they just swarm. They just start coming around your face. And you're like, oh, not these guys. And you swat them once, right? And you'd think that would get rid of them. But no, they come right back. Girl, come on! They just come right back. They just keep on, and they're, they're like kamikazes. They don't give up. It's like yeah. they have this unattainable attraction to your eye. Blam. Which I don't get. Why would you have an attraction to my eye, right? And I started, I was reminded of this the other day when I was walking to work because I had such a bad case of eye gnats. They were just really, I guess it rained a lot maybe, and a bunch of them, you know, a, a, a new flock had been born, and so they were out there just flying around. And, like, I started thinking, I was like, what an evolutionary failure these f***s are, right? <laughs> it's like... I mean, like, most things have a purpose, and the purpose yeah. doesn't really get in our way as humans, you know? It, it, it's just beneficial for them. That's a fact. It's not horrible for us, right? Like, for instance, you know, a walking stick. They look like a, they look like a stick, and that's so they don't get eaten. Yeah. That's yeah. a good evolutionary uh, 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 trait, right? Or pit vipers. They can eat mice in the dark. Pit vipers don't need any light. They can sense it. Infrared. It's cool. It's like a superhero. Sweet. What, what is the evolutionary trait of these turds? These turd to nuggets just, just rock it into your eye. That doesn't yeah, make sense. Just, just suck in your eye juice. Ew. Yes, exactly. They do. They suck your eye juice. Ew. And that's what I looked up, Jake. I looked up because I was like, why? Why? Why are these guys attracted? And it's not really just your eye. They're attracted to any bodily fluid. Word. Which sounds gross. Anytime you say bodily fluid, it doesn't sound attractive. Yes. Right? No. It doesn't. And that's not good. But they literally are. It doesn't matter. That's why they'll also fly into your ear. They'll buzz your ear. They'll go in there. Because why? They're attracted to your earwax because they're sick freaks. That's a fact. That's what they are. They will go to anything. Let's say you're out in a softball game and you dive into second base. You get a little raspberry there on your on your knee. All of a sudden, give it a couple minutes, there'll be a bunch of gnats floating around your raspberry. Yeah. Girl, come on. Yeah. It's all they want to yeah. do. They want to eat your body juices, which is gross. Yes. And I started thinking about it. It's basically just like they're a, a lazy mosquito that didn't bring any material. Yeah. It's like, you can hate mosquitoes. I mean, obviously, when you get a mosquito bite, it's it's annoying. 
But at least they do the courtesy of bringing everything to their operation. Got soft little legs. You don't even feel them land on your body. Then they got their, their needle and their anesthetic. Their feet have anesthetic on it, uh, Jake, so you don't feel it. They literally, uh -huh. they, they, they mess around. You don't feel it. Boom. Needle goes in. Jeez. Oh, crap. I just got a mosquito bite. You may feel a tinge. These guys didn't even bring any of that. They're just like, hey, what's open? Yeah. Can I fly into this oh. ear? Blam. Is there anything oozing also, out? Ew. Also, mosquitoes don't travel in flocks. I mean, you might get two or three bites or stings or whatever, but yeah. these these eye gnats, they just come in like flocks of 100. Yeah. And then they yeah, grow exponentially. Are, yeah, mosquitoes are solo adventurers. Yeah. They, uh, they like to go on their mission by themselves. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, I mean, I started thinking, I was like, if they're that stupid, they do this all the time. How do they stick around? Because, like, if you're inevitably, if you're around these guys for more than, like, a couple minutes, you're going to have to pick at least two of them out of your eye. Ew. Because they're going to actually fall into your eye, and you're going to be like, Yeah, God, yeah. One time, by the way, uh, I went mountain biking with my dad. This was a long time ago. Uh, like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And we were going down this really big hill and my dad got a gnat in his eye and he was like, oh, Ben, no. pick it out for me. It was one of the grossest things ever. I was like, what? You want me to pick it out? He's like, yeah, I can't see it. Just pick it out wherever it is. Jeez. And so I had to fish around in my dad's eye. It was very gross. I was not ready for it. Just a, just a side note for you. Was this like, was this like mid... Just rolling down a hill, and you're trying to yeah. reach over there? Well, no. <laughs> Wait, what? We stopped. We stopped, and I okay. think that would have been very dangerous if we both would have... Hold on, Dad. Try not to bounce around. I'm just going to... Whoops, poke your eye out. I oh. apologize for that. Yeah, no, no. We had stopped. But the reason these gnats can, can survive, Jake, is because they prey on the animals that don't have arms. Right? They prey on those four-footed fellas like poor old cows. You know? Cows are just hanging out in the field. All they've got is their tail. And their tail obviously can't reach all the way to their face. So what do they do? All of a sudden they got these 30 gnats around and they're just like, I give up. And they just got like, if you, do, if you get a close-up picture of a cow, you will see like 50 of these gnats around their ginormous eye. And it's just sad. It's just sad. So if you see a cow anytime in the next... Uh, stop over on the side of the road and swipe the gnats away from their face for them. That's right. Just be that, that good Samaritan, Jake. Just be that person. Okay? It's so sad. Can you promise me that? Yeah, man. It's so sad. Okay, Okay. good. Good. Well, I, I've came to the conclusion. La uh, last show, I came to the conclusion that this show was pro-crow. Faux show. I'm going to have to come to the conclusion now that I am not pro-nat. Okay. I, want, I, I won't step all the way over to the anti-nat ter territory. I'm going to do some more research, Jake. We're going to look yeah. into it, and I'm going to see just, if I'm anti-nat. But right, right now, now, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just not pro-nat. Okay? Yeah. They don't serve okay. any good, no good purpose right now. Yes. Uh, yes. Correct. Correct. So in unless, the meantime, too much eye juice is a bad thing. Then that's a good purpose for them. 
Well, if they, yeah, if they could do it without irritating me, you know, that'd be fine. But it irritates me. That's a fact. I mean, and usually, oh, that's a thing I didn't bring up, Jake. Good point. They can they can spread conjunctivitis. Ew. Yeah. Uh, well, ne never mind. Yeah. They suck. Yeah. Get pink eye from those little turds. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants pink eye. That's not a good time. Anyways, Jake, as we as we ponder this, whether the show will go full anti-nat or not, do you want to fire this show up? Let's fire this thing up, Ben. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Oh, yes. Jake, I think we should take this full Van Halen minus... The negative dime bag Daryl's ending, right? I think that's what we should do on this show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Eddie you, Van Van Jake, Hagar. <laughs> Jake knows what I'm talking about. You people may question it a little bit, yeah, but it's all right, listeners. Don't they're gonna, don't question. They're gonna it. find out. Yeah. You'll find just out. Sit, You'll find. Just out. Just sit back. Just sit back and uh, relax, and we'll educate y'all. We'll fill you in later. Uh, Jake, we've got an amazing show. My goodness. The guest we have today, we have Steep Water Band. Fantastic band out of Chicago. These guys, uh, super, super talented. Played with all kinds of people. Uh, bon Jovi, ZZ Top, uh, uh, Warren Hayes, Government Mule. Just all kinds of folks. Um, we're going to have them on the show. They just put out a album during the quarantine sweet turn of the wheel we're gonna talk to their drummer joe winners it's gonna be a good time can't wait but first we need to start where we start birthday suit oh yeah yeah it's that time Happy birthday, Mr. okay jake this birthday suit um i i i know you know but it's it's a little bit before you were really in basketball, mm. so I I took down the the my confidence to eighty eight percent. Word eighty eight. Okay, that's where All we're right. at. I'm gonna get it. Okay. I'm gonna get it. You see, born in Little Rock, Arkansas, on August 9th, nineteen seventy four. Our birthday suit wearer always loved basketball. He ended up choosing going to the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. Mm. After four years at University of Arkansas Little Rock, our birthday suit wear was the second all-time at the school in points, assists, and steals. Jeez. Pretty, pretty good. Uh, he ended up getting selected by the Los Angeles Lakers 24th overall in 1996. For the first couple of years in the league, he backed up Nick Van Exel and Ron Harper on the Lakers. He ended up winning three championships for him in that first run from 2000 to 2002. In 2004, he was traded to the, uh, to the Golden State Warriors and then to the Jazz. Then he went back to the Lakers for five more years on the Lakers. Hmm. Then... He was traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. In 2013, he retired. And in 2014, he was selected as the head coach of the New York City Knicks. Hmm. But then, he was fired after two years. 
He was last hired as the coach of the WNBA Los Angeles Sparks. Name that birthday suit where? Hmm. Can you if, give me the years he played for the Lakers? Well, he played 2000 to 2004, and he played 2007 to 2012. Man, okay. And he was a guard. Uh, and he had, yeah. he had, if this helps any, he had an ongoing fight. I think there's still some beef there with, uh, with, with Matt Barnes. Hmm. Uh... I don't know, man. I'm just going to say Derek Fisher. There you go. There it is. Oh, I got it. Oh, nice. Derek Fisher is correct. Nicely done. Okay. I Do just I just remembered LA Lakers and then he he played for the uh the Jazz and that or the, the OKC and that's yeah. how I got it. D-Rock, I man. D-Rock. I didn't realize he coached the Knicks though. Yeah, he did. He was, you know, when uh, when Phil uh, Phil Jackson did that whole terrible thing of being owner or manager of the Knicks and was bad at it. Uh, that's who he cho yeah. uh, chose for his uh, immediately for his coach was oh, Derek Fisher. So true. That makes sense. And makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But the problem was is like you know Derek Fisher had no experience being a head coach. Nope. Like, I mean, sure, it's a guy you know and everything, but come on. You can't just throw a guy in there that has no experience. And, you know, if uh, I don't know if you remember this. This is at the same time that Golden State was looking for a uh, coach. And really, Phil Jackson wanted uh, Steve Kerr. But Steve Kerr had the option of either going with Golden State or the Knicks. And he looked at the Knicks, and it was like, uh-huh. And then he looked at who the Golden State had, and he was like, hmm, I think I'll go with Golden State, which was a very good decision for him. Very yeah, good, wise choice. But now, uh, now D Rock is in uh, is in the WNBA, coaching the Sparks. The Sparks. Oh, they're they're good, man. Two seasons, two seasons with the Sparks. So who knows? He could get a couple more championship rings there. He's got five of them now. Not bad. Turning the big four six for Derek Fisher. Forty six. Looks good for 46. He's in shape. He's in shape. Oh, yeah. Okay, Jake, uh, are you ready? You ready to rip some headlines? The ripping and the tearing. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Yes. Yes. Yes, you took that response full up to Van Halen. I like it. Good. Wait, what? Uh, Jake, you know what they say about warning signs? Hmm. To go with your gut. Word. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Well, I mean like if, to, if there's to warning believe signs, it or not. <laughs> yeah, you should you should totally like take the, the take the precautions before you partake in whatever you're about to do. That's right. Yeah, just look at it. It says warning could be shocked, and you're like, you know what? My gut says I'm not gonna be shocked. That's a lie about this fence. Nope. I'm going for it. I, that's what I say. That's true. <laughs> they could go either way. Well, the National Park Service released a sign the other day, uh, and this is what they normally say about signs, Jake. They say if a sign is warning you of something, they're usually warning you of that because somebody has already done it, right? That's a fact. That's why they had yeah. to think about putting the sign there. Like if a sign says, don't... Uh, uh, don't publicly urinate in this park, it's probably because there are a bunch of people publicly urinating in that park. 
So they had to put a sign there. It makes sense, right? Well, the National Park Service released a sign saying, please don't run from bears or push your slower friends down in attempts of saving yourself. Wait, what? Uh, That last part is hard to believe, but it's probably been done. Yeah. I want to meet this person that was like, you know what? Hmm. I think my friend Jake's a little bit slower than than I am. If I just shove him over this rock... The bear will probably eat him, and you know what? I'll be good. So true. I'll be good. I'll be the, fine. Hmm. The bear would enjoy it. I got to be honest, Jake. It would be hard for us to rekindle our friendship if I shoved you over, you know? I would understand if you probably were like, hey, uh, instead of going that movie, do you want to remember the time you tried to feed me to a bear? Jeez. You know, just... That's that's a hard thing to get over in a friendship. I'm just saying, you know. I mean, yeah, you, you would you would only way to come back from that, Ben, is that you would have to win the lottery, <laughs> and you would you'd have to split it with me. Yes. Well, it's a promise, Jake. That's a fact. If I'm winning that lottery, I got to split it with you. It's happening. So, uh, I will bank on that. I can tell you that right now. If I uh try to feed you to a bear. Uh, to win you back as a friend, I will play the lottery every day so that we can share that uh, that winning. So true. So there you go. That we just added to our promise that we made to each other. There it is. A bear clause yes. added. Uh, well, guess what? We're going to another uh, bear story. Say what? For the next story, Jake. Okay. Another right. bear story. Have uh, We all know. I was about to ask you if you've been to Alaska, but we all know you've not been to Alaska. Nope. Um, no. Alaska's on my list, Jake. I want to go to Alaska. It seems interesting. So it seems true. Like in, in in summer, of course. I don't want to go in winter. There's no, no thank you. Mm-mm. But in 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 summer, I'd like to go check it out. Uh, so Brandon McVeigh, he was in Juneau, Alaska. And he went over to his friend's house. His friend's ha- friend's house was in Switzer Mobile Home Park around 11 p.m. Late night call to his friend, his friend Norm's house, right? And here's how Brandon described the scene. He said, Norm, he's got like 10 kids. Word. And they're all in the living room. And I walk in, and the bear walked in behind me. What? And walked past us. And he was walking towards the kids. Jeez. What? How how does he not like he just, first of all that bear's just, gotta be a soft walker, man. Yeah. Like to not hear that guy come up behind you. And then like I love how like the it's like a bear sneaking into the club that he's not supposed to be in. Like, hey, just a member of the family, everybody. So just true. A bear. What's up? And then the bear walks in, and apparently when the bear walks in, one of the kids, one of the ten kids, reaches out the two-year-old, and just starts petting the bear like, hey, fuzzy, nice. And the mom all of a sudden realizes like, what? Whoa, that's not my kid. That's a bear. And grabs her kid, the two-year-old, and runs into the other room, which of course causes a hubbub in the whole group of kids. They all freak out, and then Brandon and Norm are like, I guess we got to fight this bear now, right? And Brandon goes over and tries to throw an elbow at the bear. But uh, not too surprisingly, uh, the bear was stronger than Brandon, Jake. 
and uh, the bear just shoved him down to the ground. And then bear wanted to leave the uh, trailer, but didn't really know how to work the door in his panic mode. So he just ripped out a window and jumped out of the, the trailer. That's how that ended. Yeah. All right. Just to, just to confirm, you said 10 kids, Ten correct? 10 kids yes! in a trailer. That is a lot of kids in a small house. <laughs> a lot of kids. Like, yeah. I got to ask, Norm, are you trying to start a football team? Mm. Because literally, he could play. If he has, he's got 11. He could play a full on mm -hmm. football game with him and his kids. He's got one whole side or a basketball game, five on five, oh, and he yeah. could be the ref. That's how it could work, Jake. It's a little or insane. Like, or or you could have the mom coach one side, the dad nope. coach the other nice. side. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And they could pick could, their favorites. Could, the bear could be the mascot, <laughs> and then Brandon could be the ref. Since no, he's the, yeah. none of them are his kids, so That's he's not true. Be, he's like, non-biased. I like it. I like it. Good man, you thought it through. I like it, Jake. That's a I, good. I, I, that's a good visualization. Uh, that's what I do. Brandon. Brandon was okay, by the way. He just had puncture wounds on his chest, but other than that, he was fine. Other than that, he was well, good. Um, why is your first instinct to throw an elbow? I don't like, know. Hmm. I, I'm You're not sure. You're just shortening sure. your range of motion. That's a fact. My my first instinct would be to run where the mom was. Um, that would yeah. be my first instinct. But I think this should teach Norm something as well. I think this should teach Norm that he needs to train his 10 kids to all attack the bear at once. Yes! I mean, if you got 10 kids, pretty sure you could take that bear, you know? Yeah. Pretty positive. Well, and... and and Brandon needs to train himself on how to like be more aware of your surroundings and to see if there's a bear tailing you. No, yeah, especially fact. when you're in Alaska. I mean, I feel like those guys are a little bit more prominent up there than they are, you know, in other parts of the the United States. So yeah, yeah, bear attack. Maybe carry a a, a can of bear spray. They have that stuff, you know. Anyways, anyways, uh, Jake, uh, we got another bear story. Oh, three. Okay. No, not really. I'm kidding. We have a we do have an animal story though. Interesting okay. animal story here. Um, so this animal story, uh, th this gives us a little insight here with this animal story that even though, as I've said multiple times on the show, the coronavirus it's rough. Even though the coronavirus is rough, we could have it a lot worse. Word. We could have it a lot worse. We could be like cicadas. Word. You know cicadas, Jake? No, I've never. Maybe. Hmm. You know, cicadas are those those bugs. They look sort of like giant flies. You know, like really big okay. flies. They've got they they basically got the same body shape as a fly, and they're the ones that in the summer make the loud noises in the trees, like the buzzing oh, sounds. Yeah. Okay. They're yeah, those guys. That. Yeah. Well, those guys, cicadas, right, they uh, apparently are suffering from a fungus spreading throughout their community. Jeez. Yeah. A fungus oh. called Massaspora. Massaspora. And apparently, this fungus really sucks if you're a cicada because basically it turns you into a decaying zombie. Jeez. 
Not good That's at all. Horrifying. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know about you, Jake, but I would prefer not to be a decaying zombie. That's not high on my list. Apparently, Massospora is a psychotropic fungus. So uh, it has sort of the same effects as like uh, magic mushrooms on people, except on cicadas. And what it does is it attacks a cicada, especially the males, and it makes male cicadas act like females. Hmm. Like, so it makes them click their wings together to make that noise to attract other males. And then when another male comes up, they give them the fungus. They're like, hey, what's up, bro? You've got the fungus now. Wait, what? Bad news, right? And then the fungus literally makes their body turned into a fungus dust. Like, it just rots away from the bottom of their body all the way to their top until they're dead. Ew. And the crazy thing about this is, is they just continue to go about as if nothing was happening to them. Like, even though they're missing half of their body. A researcher said uh, it, it basically their body wears away like an eraser of a pencil. Hmm. Gross. Yeah, this... So, this is kind of, I don't trust, you know, we talked about the G-Nats, but this mm. really makes me dislike uh, <laughs> sequoias even more. Cicadas. Because. Cicadas. Cicadas, sorry. So not, excuse me. Um, because they're on their deathbed, and then mm -hmm. their first thought is, oh, who can I spread this to yeah. before I pass? But you, know? you, but, but you got you to gotta remember, right? It's it's not them. It's the fungus talking. That's a fact. The fungus has took over their brain. It's a psychotropic fungus. It's not their fault. That fungus is in there causing problems. So, just when you get down on the COVID situation of humans, remember, Jake, it could be worse. You could be a zombie turning to dust. That could be if you were a cicada, just to let you know. So, keep that in mind. Think on the positive side, Jake. Think on the positive side. Uh, Jake, let's move on to a story that all of us can relate to. Are you ready for a story that we can all relate to? All right. Okay, so let's go to the, uh, the Garden State for this next story. New Jersey. So we're going to go to New okay. Jersey, and this, this story really hits home. Because it's, like I said, super relatable. So let's say uh, you decide in your house in New Jersey, let's go out to the country club. Because you're a member of a country club, obviously, Word. Jake, right? And to be sure. a member of that country club, you, uh, you, you paid their entrance fee, which was very small, just $65,000, right? And mm. then... You paid Pocket yearly change. memberships that are also very cheap, just $20,000 a year, right? And Easy. you do this because you think they have gracious dining options. That's a fact. You can go there and have a delightful meal. Well, one night, you decide to go there for a delightful meal, and a completely inept waiter spills wine on your $30,000 handbag you just got for your birthday. How upsetting is that? Can you believe? Can you believe how upset? I mean, uh, I, I, I want to know. I wish I could take a, a live poll right now of our listeners how many times this has happened to them. Because Just, so relatable. Am yeah. I right? Nope. Am I right? Nope. Yeah. 
it's it's ridiculous who they allow to be waiters these days. <laughs> ah, uh, there's just so many things about this, Jake. I mean, first of all, how much, how rich would you have to be, Jake, to uh, go to that country club? Hmm. Like, how rich would you have to be to say, yeah, I'll pay sixty five thousand dollars to be a part of this country club? Nope. I feel you got to be like a several times over multi-millionaire to say 65000 no problem. I'd like to do that to hang out at a swanky house, right? Like, you got to be pretty absurdly rich to be able to waste 65000 and then a continual 20000 every year after that. And then on top of that, have a bag... That's thirty thousand. Do you have anything that's worth thirty thousand dollars, Jake? Hmm. Uh, just the, my student loans, and that's it. Oh. <laughs> oh, and that's that's not accumulated wealth. That's accumulated debt, and that's sad. That's sad, Jake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Dang. no. That brought up a not. Uh, that wasn't fun. That was just sad to remember that you owe that much money. That's no good. So true. Um, I owe. I owe a handbag. You do. You own a Hermes handbag. I guess you said call it Hermes. Hermes, maybe. It's H E R M E S. Have you ever heard of a Hermes? Hermes. Hermes bag. I don't know. I don't do bags. Mm-hmm. I don't do swanky bags. I don't know. Anyways, this happened to Mariana Bader, Jake. Mariana Bader, and she had received this purse from her husband for her 30th birthday present, which I think you were with me on my 30th birthday, Jake. I don't recall getting that. I don't know if you remember me getting that, but I'm pretty sure I didn't get one of those. Nope. I don't think so, at least. Mm -mm. We did go to Uh, Wild Wing Cafe, and I know when I go to Wild Wing Cafe, I get some boss wings. That's a fact. So I did have some boss wings. I know that. They were not worth $30,000, though. Not not the case. I'll tell you, that's one of the saltiest foods. Those boss wings, man. You wake up the next day, you've got a hankering for some fluids. Let me tell you. Word. That's for sure. I wouldn't know. I always stick with the mild because right. I'm a hmm, big old... Don't worry about... Lame. No, no. Well, the boss aren't... They're not hot at all. The boss are just... They're just salty. I like a good dry rub, you know? Anyways, we got derailed. I'm sorry. We're not talking about wings. We're talking about Mariana and her horrible situation at the country club. So she decided to sue this country club, right? And her attorney says uh, they couldn't comprehend that a bag could be that much. I think that's the biggest problem with this. They kind of discriminated against her that she actually owned that type of bag. Wait, what? Isn't that sad, Jake, that this country club was discriminating against the ultra-rich? I mean, if that's not the most uh, disenfranchised group of people on this planet, the ultra-rich, am I right? Nope. It's a group we need to look out for. The Warren Buffetts, the Bill Gateses, the Jeff Bezos. I feel so bad for those guys and their their billions of dollars. It's tough. Nope. It's real tough. Well, did he... Did her husband buy this purse for her 30th birthday simply because it costs $30,000? He was like, I want to 
Well, that's know. pretty much the whole idea with this company, Jake. This uh, this this bag company. They're an Italian leather bag, and they ba- they basically release very 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 few of these bags so that they can be very very exclusive, and they can raise the price up because of this supply and demand uh, differential. So they true. They can charge a hundred thousand, thirty thousand for a bag, and people out there like Jennifer Lopez and uh, Kendall Kardashian or Kendall Jenner will pay that much for them because they got a much that much money to waste on a bag and they can say I have this bag so that's no doubt what this guy did so his wife could say I have this bag sweet it's pretty much it it's pretty much the only Disgusting. reason you have this bag um, a status yeah. symbol and she wanted her money back for this status symbol uh, so that's that's uh, I got a feeling she's not going to get it back just my idea jake just a thought well not not don't, from a waiter don't think she's gonna get it but she could probably get it back from the country club they've got a lot of money sort of like her but uh you know here's the thing about a lot of rich people they don't want to give away their money they didn't necessarily get rich by giving away their money that's one of those things they usually hold on to it very tight-fisted it's the thing so I don't think she's going to get it. Just my idea. But, Jake, we got to take a break. We are going to take a break. We are going to hear from our guest today, the Steve Water Band. This is their fantastic single off of their album, uh, Turn of the Wheel. This is the song Trance right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave, we need... Day. Oh, God. You did it. I did it. It's been so it. long, man. I went... What, <laughs> how long have you been on the show now? Five weeks? Five, six? Yeah, I think... Six? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. I, well, you, got, you got to applaud me, right? Nope. I mean, that was pretty I, good. Nope. Mad props. That was pretty mad good. Nope. I mean, for, especially for me. I, I know you know me, Jake. I don't do well with names. So true. I screw up people's names all the time, and they, they get really offended when I do. I just... I can't... I don't know. I just throw out names. But luckily, I went six weeks. So let's applaud it. Jake! It's Jake, okay. that is your name. Yeah. Jake, got it. Papa J. Papa J. Not J, Ken. Jake, cuh. Cuh. Anyways. With a K. Jake, we need to tell the listeners to check out the podcast as they should. They can do it anywhere they want to. They can do it on SoundCloud. They can do it on Apple. They can do it on TuneIn. They can do it on Spreaker. We're out there. We are out there, Jake. And once they do it, they need to rate us. That really helps us out. It makes my day. If you could put a five-star, especially on Apple, I can immediately see it on Apple. And you know what? It makes me excited. Yes! It makes me happy. Yes! So just just do us that slight little favor, and we'd appreciate it. Uh, Jake, it is time to move on to a little thing we call shout-out. Shout out. Are Shout you ready? Outs. Yes, sir. Okay, we are going to start, of course, with the regulars. Now, I'm going to start at the end of the list, and I'm going to go to the beginning of the list. You're going to bring gonna, it home. And I'm okay. going to try to snowball it. I'm going to start out slow, and I'm going to work my way up. Okay? That's what we're going to do. Here we go. So starting out in the south, we're going to go Columbus, Georgia. Shout, Shout out. out to Columbus, our newest regulars there. We're going to go to Fisherville, Virginia in the Commonwealth. Shout out. Shout out to Fisherville, our newest Virginia listeners. Moscow, Russia. Thank Shout you, Moscow, out. for keeping it tight with the Dyke G Show. Bristol, Virginia, Shout birthplace out. of country music. Shout out to you guys on the line with Tennessee. Brighton, United Kingdom, Shout up there out. in the United Kingdom, our second United Kingdom listener. Genoa, Italy, in the Shout boot out. of Europe. Give a shout out to them for being regulars. Peoria, Illinois. Shout out to Peoria in the Shout land of out. Lincoln. Orlando, Florida, the home of the NBA bubble. Shout, Shout out to out. you guys. London, United Kingdom, our first United Kingdom listeners. All the areas of London. Shout Mountain out. View, California, our first West Shout Coast out. connection. Shout out to you guys. Madison, Tennessee, Shout right outside out. of Nashville. Kenner, Louisiana, in the heart of Shout New Orleans. Out. Roanoke, Virginia, Star City, shout out shout to them out. in the Commonwealth. Ashburn, Virginia, our first shout listeners out. from Virginia, shout out to you guys. Barcelona, Spain, another shout international out. listeners. Charleston, South Carolina on the coast. Shout Charlotte, out. North Carolina, the Queen City. Boardman, shout Oregon, out. our second West Coast connection. Shout Dublin, out. Ireland, an international superstar. Radford, shout Virginia, out. home of the Highlanders. Gainesville, shout Florida, out. home of Gators. Columbia, South Carolina, home of the Cox. Shout out to Duval, Jacksonville. Yeah. Regulars. Regulars, Jake. No. Yeah, man, that was a nice climax there. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that on my end. Woo! Woo! J Jake, and even I'm looking right now at our sound waves on the readout. I got louder, too. You can see it. Yeah. It gained as I, I went. Man, 
That felt that felt cathartic, Jake. Word. I felt that was, good. That was a good after snowball. That. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's move on to uh, and not thank me. Thank the listeners. That's who I'm saying thank you to. Thank you. That's who I'm saying thank you. Thank you, listeners. That's right. You got me amped like that. That's who's doing it. You guys out in in Barcelona. You guys out in Russia. You guys out in Peoria. You guys out in Orlando. You're getting me jazzed. Say what? You fuel the fire, guys. You fuel the snowball down the mountain. That's what you do. They made that snowball. They did. They did, Jake. Uh, So... Semi-regulars, guys that uh, are uh, not really a snowball yet. A little bit of packed snow together. That's what they're getting here. Uh, Irving, Texas. Shout out to Irving. Never been to Irving, right? Don't worry, Jake. When we go on our our cross-country trip, we'll go. Just yesterday, I was talking uh, to a friend of mine. Uh, she's, She's planning a trip, Jake. From Jacksonville to San Diego. And I was like, mm, Say what? me and Jake, we're going to get down on something like that. It's coming. Get ready for it. It's going to happen. Uh, maybe we'll go through Irving. Who knows? Irving, Texas. Shout out to those well, guys. They got, um, oh, this is cool. In Irving, Texas, they have the Mustangs of Las Colinas Museum. Ooh. So it's just like, yeah, it's a, it's a bronze horse sculpture. Nice. And an adjacent museum, and if you look at it, it's just a, it's like a, a fountain, but it's got horses Ooh. running through the fountain. Oh, not like real horses, oh. but statues. Pristine. That's that's majestic right there. That's a fact. Mm. There we go. Got a got a sight to see in Irving. That's right. Hampton, Virginia. Shout out to Hampton. Shout out. No, who's from Hampton, right? Hmm. Um, it's 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 a sports guy. It got to be. Yeah. Michael Vick. Michael Vick's from Hampton. Is, is it Michael Vick? Mike Vick's from I there. I thought it was. Allen Iverson's from there. You got uh, a couple people okay. from Hampton. Anyways, we're behind, Jake. <gasps> Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out to Phoenix. Shout out. Brisbane, Australia. Brisbane. Brisbane, Australia. Uh, Gold out. Coast, Australia. Los Angeles, California. Shout, Shout out. out to you guys. Durham, North Carolina. Shout out to Shout you guys. Out. Katy, Texas. That's Shout right outside out. of Houston. Shout out to those guys. Uh, San Jose, Costa Rica. Really like to go to Shout Costa Rica, out. Jake. That's an international that I'd really like to get down on. Yes. Costa Rica seems like a pretty awesome place. So true. Um, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Toronto, Canada. And shout, shout out to out. Beaumont, Texas. Semi-regulars there. Shout okay, out. Jake. Are you ready? Newcomers. Oh, yeah. Okay, first newcomer. Who we got? Do you want to go uh, South America or Central America, Jake? Hmm. Let's do South. Okay. Okay. And then bring it. Bring, bring it, it on up. Bring, bring it closer to the United States of America. Gotcha. Okay. There you go. Uh, let's go Medellin. Medellin, Colombia. Colombia. Shout out. Got to get that. Yeah, that's the difference, you know, oh. between Columbia, South Carolina, and Columbia, the country. You got that O in there. Get it. Colombia. Emphasize the O. Colombia. Yes. Yes. This is the second largest city in Colombia behind their uh, their capital, Bogota. So this is the uh, second biggest city. You ever heard of uh, Medellin? 
Jake? Hmm. I can't say that I have. You know, I haven't, you know, I'm not very cultured. It's all right. All, so. That's why you're on the show, Jake. We're making you a sophisticate. Word. You are going to be so That's why I sophisticated. Nope. You're going to be at your next cocktail party, because I know you go to cocktail parties all the time, mm. and somebody will be like, yeah. mm, we flew my 30th, we, we flew for my 35th birthday to Medellin, and you'd be like, oh, Medellin in Colombia, I hear it's lovely this year. Did you take your $30,000 purse? You should have. Wait, what? It'd be a great Man, place to Man, I was going to make... I was gonna make that joke, but you beat me to you it. You knew it. You knew. You saw it coming. See, you you got you got the yeah. cues. We're Van Halen right now. You don't even know. So true. Uh, so uh, Jake Medellin, <laughs> four thousand nine hundred feet up. It's up there. It's got a very nice climate. It's also got some dope dope architecture. That's a fact. Uh, back in the day, though, it was known for drugs. That was Pablo Escobar's hangout in the eighties. That's where he was at. Dope. You did not want to be around there. Yes, dope. Pun intended. You know what? You know what it is. You know it. Hit the rim shot. Mm -hmm. Do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Medellin, though, very lovely place to be. My brothers went there. It's a nice place. Uh, next one, Jake, in Central America. You ready? Let's do it. Tlaxcala, Tlaxcala, Mexico. So, are you saying flax or? Tlax, like with a P. I'm getting the Tlax with a T. Tlaxcala. So T L A X C A L A. And this isn't a city. This is actually a state of Mexico. That's a fact. A very small state, but it's a state of Mexico, not an actual city. Right? So we're, we're in a state. It's right southwest of Mexico City. You know what they've got in Tlaxcala? Hmm. Um, delicious uh, cuisines. Of some sort. So true. Hey, it's ironic that you say that because some people actually think the name originated from, get this, the place of corn tortillas. That's a fact. That's literally what some people think it's from. But uh, some other people say that's not where the name originated from. But regardless, oh. no, Jake, they do have great food. That's true. But I was talking about volcanoes. They have volcanoes, which is frightening. I'm not a volcano person, Dave. Dog, Dave, again, what? Twice. Oh, God, I've derailed. Two times. I've derailed, Jake. My good <laughs> my good streak has has left completely. I, we were Van Halen there for a little bit, and we just derailed. Anyways, volcanoes, Jake. Do you, do you, are you a volcano person? Heck no, man. I would never live anywhere near a volcano. It's just a ticking time bomb. So true. Don't want any part of those. No, thank you. No, thank you. Tlaxcala has some. And just a side note, if it hadn't been for the Tlaxcalans, uh, they, uh, the Spaniards probably never would have been able to defeat the Aztecs. They helped defeat the Aztec Empire. Word. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. A little, little crazy there. A little history lesson for you. Okay. We've got through that, Jake. It is time to do a couple leftover stories real quick. Um, so, let's uh, let's start with this story. You remember the story we had a couple weeks ago where a, kid, uh, where a, a couple in uh, England wanted to name their kid Lucifer? Hmm. Dude, I haven't forgot that one. I tell everybody that. Yeah, it's not a good name for a kid. Let's be honest. That's not what you want to name your kid. Nope. Um... And then I told you I gave you an analogy. I was like, "That's if I. That's like if I wanted to call my kid goat in Russian, and then somebody in in Russia told me, "Hey, you don't want to name your kid that, right?" 
Well, apparently, that's basically what happened to Urkon Karakok in, uh, in New Zealand. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't name he a named, kid this. He his, no, he didn't name a kid uh, this. He named his store a, uh, a, a, a not probably not as bad as my uh, name, but not good. Nope. So uh, Urkon is from Turkey. He doesn't speak the language of New Zealand. Now, obviously, uh, the uh, uh, the majority of folks in New Zealand speak English, um, but they also have the native indigenous language, which is Maori, Jake. Maori. Um, okay. And Maori is an Eastern Polynesian language. Uh, and, you know, uh, full, full language. A lot of people speak it in New Zealand. And uh, so uh, Urkon was like, you know what? I'm going to relate to these people. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to use a Maori word. And he called it Haruru. Haruru. Uh, Beautiful. Which in Maori means wool. Mm. Wool. Yeah. Now his store is like a uh, is like a clothing store that mainly deals in leather, but they have all sorts of like clothes stuff, and uh, you know he wanted to relate to something that lots of New Zealanders work with, which would be wool. Now the downside of it does mean wool, but it's also a slang term for pubic hair. Hmm. <laughs> Man, that's very unfortunate. Yes. Yeah, so he named a store Pubic Hair. Sweet. Like, imagine if you were walking through a store in America and you looked up in the mall and there was just a store called Pubic Hair. And it was ran by, like, you know, a dude from Spain. And you were like, uh, why is your store named Pubic Hair? And he was like, because we sell plants and various bushes. And people told me that this was a good name for that and when you're like no i think you got that mixed up buddy like that's what's happening in new zealand with this dude he Man. named his store haruru which is slang for pubic hair yeah 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 now this i mean to, go for to it to be honest i'm definitely if if i do come across a store named pubic hair i'm going in there and i'm <laughs> buying something with their store logo and name on it. <laughs> so true. Uh, yeah, I think I'd do it for the fun of it, too. I mean, if I could get me a sweet uh, pubic hair leather jacket, I mean, that'd be pretty dope. That'd be pretty, pretty dope. Um, but at the same time, I love this because they at the, uh, the news store asked him, they were like, uh, so are you going to change this after all the backlash? Are you changing it? And he's like, no, store's going to remain open, and we're not going to change the name, and we don't regret choosing this name. Word. What? Urkon, mm. I'm going to say, you better hope there are a bunch of Ben and Jakes out there that want to buy your pubic hair jackets, all right? Because if there aren't, you're screwed. So true. Just to let you know. Just to throw it out there. Uh, okay. Jake, I'm going to end this one with a uh, just a headline that I've got here. You, you ready for the headline? I love headlines. Okay, yeah, good. Let's rip this thing. Good. This is a good, this is a good headline. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 so, it's so Florida, this headline. It's classic Florida. That's a fact. So 
quote, man bitten by shark in Florida compares it to previous attack by alligator. Wait, what? What? <laughs> so what? He's been, he, he's been attacked twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> by an alligator and a shark. Yeah. Which my advice so, to this man, if I would could give him any, would be stop setting around things that can eat you. So true. That would be my advice. You know? Yeah. Just a thought. Just yeah. So like, in the art did you read the article anymore? Yeah, 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 I read it. It was it was a while back that he was eating uh, he was on he was on a family trip in the shark, uh swimming around in the ocean. Uh with the alligator, he was on a fishing trip. Uh, and they were, and then they started hunting alligators, and the alligator was on the boat, and it clamped on his leg. Um, you know, uh, my my thing here would be one right when you try to relate something to, for people to get, it's usually something everybody could understand. That's a fact. Like uh, the shark bite felt like. Have you ever uh, uh, hurt your knee on a bike wreck? Oh, yeah, I've done that. Not, hey, this sort of reminded me of that time. You've been bitten by an alligator, right? What? Uh, no. Oh, weird, I have. Um, most people aren't going to be able to be like, oh, right, that time that I was bitten by an alligator, of course. Who hasn't been there? Of course. Doesn't make much sense. Doesn't make much sense, Jake. Uh, okay, Jake, are you ready? Birthday suit. Second birthday suit. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go. Okay, so this one's a little bit lower uh, than the the last one. Uh, this is football this time, so I'm gonna give you I'm gonna um, give you seventy nine percent because bread. he was That's really good. he was really big in football uh, uh, a year and a half ago, not as a player but as a coach. So here we go. Mm. Born on August 9, nineteen seventy nine, in San Antonio, Texas. Like many Texas boys, our birthday suit wearer loved football. That's right. By the time he was in high school, he was the quarterback for his high school team. He was named offensive MVP in Texas his senior year. He decided to go to Texas Tech. When our birthday suit wearer graduated from Texas Tech, he held 39 school records, 13 Big 12 records, and 7 NCAA records. Jeez. Pretty wild. That's a lot of records, Jake. Um, but even yeah. with all those accolades, he was only drafted 201st by the New England Patriots in 2003. 201st, getting close to the last person chosen in the draft. Uh, he only made it three years in the NFL before he no longer was on an NFL team. But in 2008, he was hired on the coaching staff of the University of Houston. Hmm. He uh, he then became the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M in 2012, and then he became Texas Tech's head coach in 2013. However, he was fired Cliff by Kingsbury. his alma mater. Huh? Is it Cliff Kingsbury? Yes, Cliff Kingsbury is yes. correct. There it is. Nicely done with the weird spelling of Cliff. K. Yeah, Cliff with a K. That's weird. I, I yeah, don't. I'm. I'm actually. I, I actually really like him because he was. He was so young whenever he started coaching, and then I thought he did 
I thought he did pretty well at Texas Tech. I mean, he had Patrick Mahomes. He had uh, – there was that one other guy, I forget, Graham Harrell. He had Graham Harrell as well. Yeah, he and, had some uh, he had some up and down years, you know. Uh, he could he could definitely score. That's for sure. He could score. Their teams could could get the yeah. ball down the field fast. That's definitely that's definitely the case. Also, good looking dude. Work. You know, I'm not gonna deny yeah, it. Very handsome. Cliff's a, Cliff's a handsome man. He's a handsome man. Turning four one forty one head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. There you go. Yes! Cliff Kingsbury. There it is. Happy birthday, Cliff. All right, Jake, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with the drummer of the Steepwater Band, none other than Joe Winters, right here on the Doc G Show.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we are joined by the drummer of a fantastic band, the Steepwater Band, who just released their seventh studio album, Turn of the Wheel, Mr. Joe Winters. Joe, how are you today? Doing all right. How about you, Ben? Doing good, man. Doing good. So I got to say, we've, we have a you know lot of musical guests on this show, and we've had a lot on the show since the pandemic started. And I went back and I and I counted it up. We had 26 uh, guests since the pandemic started, and out of all those 26, I feel like your band has been missing live shows more than any other band, just because you guys have like lived and breathed live performances for 20 years. And I mean, you know, playing over a hundred shows every single year. I'm guessing this is the longest break you've had from touring since you started the band. Am I right? That is correct. The longest time I can remember being home consecutively in years and years and years. <laughs> but we are finding ways to make the best of it, I guess. You know, I mean, traveling around right now is just not feasible for so much of the music business. You know, there's so many people that work in music and gigs, yeah. not only musicians, but crew members, sound people, merchandise people, drivers, you name it. There's everybody's home. And uh, there's not a whole lot we can do about it right now until this thing chills out. I'm a little sad for, for so many people and definitely sad for our band because we have this new record out that we're really proud of and we think is maybe even our best record yet after yeah. all the years and so we were looking forward to having a big year and spending a lot of time on the road but it just wasn't meant to be for 2020 i don't think yeah yeah well i i, I was just looking at that i mean because you are one of those those bands that just you you know put put the the feet out on the pavement man you guys play year round I mean, really, the only time I could think that you guys weren't out was when Joe entered the band and you had that hiatus over the summer of 2018. That was really the only time, and that wasn't as long as as, as this has gone on. So uh, definitely a, a big switch in, in gears for you guys. But um, I want to take the listeners back. We've been lucky enough to have some great drummers on the show. Uh, we've had uh, Johnny Rabb. Uh, from Collective Soul and and Steve Gorman from the Black Crows and, and Trigger Hippie and uh, recently just had CC Spina from uh, Little Hurricane and they definitely have different stories of how they got into drums and I just wanted to know how did you get into to playing drums and, and who was your first big inspiration? Great question. Believe it or not, my mom was a drummer. Wow. Nice. And, yeah, most people don't have that story, but my mom was a drummer in her high school marching band. Nice. And uh, when I went to middle school around sixth grade, you could either be in like art class, band, or choir. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be in, in music. You know, I thought, well, maybe I'll be in band. So my mom said, well, I, I was a drummer in you know, my high school band. Why don't you do that? And so that was literally how it started, how I got a pair of sticks in my hands and got started. And then right around that same time, um, actually just a couple of days ago was the 39th anniversary of the beginning of MTV. Yeah. And right around a couple of years after MTV started, cable television came to my town. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
we had MTV playing in the house, you know, like constantly. <laughs> and all the bands that were on there, Van Halen, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, ZZ Top, yeah. whatever it was, you know, like coincided right in the time that I got to playing drums in the middle school band. So rock and roll really like hit me hard at that, that time. And uh, it was just a perfect storm, you know, but um, there was a guy that came to my middle school to work with the drummers and teach us how to play a little bit. And he was about 10 years older than us. And he had a uh, rock band that he played drums in and he would take me to his local gigs. Nice. And I would help set the drums up and hang out. And, you know, I was probably 12 or 13 years old at the time. And uh, being around a rock and roll show in the 80s at 13 years old, uh, again, it was just a perfect storm of all the influence just being surrounded, you know, by drums and music and excitement. And I thought, hey, if there's a way I could do this, from now until the rest of my days, even at 13 years old, I was like, I'm hooked. This is what I'm going to do. And uh, so far, I found a way to pull it off since <laughs> then. You know, that's, that's, this has been what I've done with my life. So For sure. For sure. Well, it, it's, it's impressive to me always how many uh, people, uh, famous drummers, get their start in marching band. And, and people don't realize that. I mean, uh, me and me and CC Spina there. She she was in marching band, and uh, you know you you mentioned Motley Crue. Tommy Lee was in in marching band, yes! and uh, absolutely. I mean, even people you don't think of like uh, Pharrell. Uh, you know, um, the great producer and singer Pharrell's a uh, 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 marching band alum. They have a lot of people that come from marching band for sure. Um, yep. Now uh, talking about. Uh, you, you know the the drummers that we had, and mentioning Steve earlier from uh, uh, Black Crows, uh, that I hear is where Steep Water has its origins. Is that a as a Blackwater uh, or a Black Crows uh, concert? Is that correct? Yeah, that that's very correct. We met Jeff, our lead singer, lead guitar player. We met him at a Black Crows concert at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago in 1996. Nice. And he was a friend of a friend, and he was starting a band, trying to start a blues-type blues, blues type band. Nice. A, a neat little story is that 10 years later, we found ourselves in California making a record with Mark Ford, the famous Black Crows guitar player, producing us. Literally, yeah. it was about 12 years after we had met each other at a black crows concert uh it all came full circle and we ended up in a studio with the black crows guitarist mark ford so and yeah that, definitely deep roots with that band with us for sure that had to be a little bit uh surreal uh being being in in studio with the guy that you were you were following around there before you started the band that had to be a little crazy yeah definitely uh i you know if you would have told me that's where things would have led 10 years later i would have never believed you but you know life is stranger than fiction sometimes you never know for sure for sure what what, what would you say your favorite uh crow song is mm. Ooh, man so many of them so you know they have a lot of deep cuts that uh didn't even make records that that you know like when you become a hardcore fan with that band it's kind of like being being almost like a dead fan where yeah you, when you go to see them, they play a bunch of weird stuff that, uh, you know, you get excited to hear because maybe it's not on the records or whatever. But 
As far as just a straight up song on one of their records, there's a song on their third record called Wiser Time on, mm. on the Amorica record that I think is a brilliant song. That whole record is a brilliant record. And, and another song they did for the second record that didn't make the record called Darling of the Underground Press. That's a Man. really cool song that for hardcore fans, they, they know that one. But. <laughs> I was about to say, you're going deep. I, I was thinking she talks to angels. I was like, I love that jam. That's a good one. You're going, you're going oh, yeah. full fan yeah, well, on me. Their radio songs, you know, that they've been known for, their hit songs are great songs as well. There's a reason why that band took off the way it did, because they wrote great songs. That's what it's all about, right? For sure, for sure. Well, uh, talking about great songs, you guys, your songs are... You know, uh, blues rock bass. And to me, it's funny because you guys got together in 98. And, you know, when you look at it, that was one of those sort of blues remission times as far as what was actually out on the charts. You know, I mean, uh, Black Crows that started sort of declining in popularity at that time. They weren't where they were just a couple of years before. And you hadn't got the 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 artists like, you know, Black Keys and Kings of Leon, at least their early stuff, and, and White Stripes yet. And when you look at, like, mainstream right at that time, you're looking, you know, Nickelback and, and Linkin Park and Korn and sort of new metal things like that. Uh, when you guys first started, did you find it hard to find a big audience for that type of music in, in Chicago, or were there just a ton of people that really wanted to hear that blues rock? So, you know, we started the band almost like wanting to be a blues band. I yeah. mean, we, our, our aspirations early on were really just to play in the clubs in Chicago, and mainly even the blues clubs. I think that was what everyone's thought was, was if we could get work and playing in the blues clubs, that's, that's kind of what we wanted to do, but... We sort of found out that a couple things. One, that when you write your own songs, it's really fun and really rewarding. So once we wrote a couple of songs, we were like, well, that was kind of fun. And and, <laughs> and, and there's no limits to what, you know, what you can come up with rather yeah. than being in a box of trying to be a blues band, you know? So, yeah. um, so there was, there was that. And then the other thing was that simply put, a bunch of, of white kids from the suburbs weren't really going to be convincing as like a real deal blues band yeah. in the blues scene downtown Chicago. So we had to start kind of looking more for maybe our younger audience that was into that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. um, really, we just kind of, I don't know, like we, we just didn't put limits on it. If there was a gig, we would take it. And we, we just didn't really limit ourselves as to like what our sound was going to be yeah. once we had written a few songs. So, um, I, yeah, I guess, you know, like any band, there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a time period where you got to sacrifice and just play anywhere and everywhere trying to find your audience. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're still growing our audience after 22 years, but, uh, yeah, you're right. That was kind of a, a strange time for, for the music business. And, and I think maybe we were in some ways around Chicago anyway, kind of like a breath of, yeah, a new, new I thing. I don't know, fresh air yeah. in some ways. Like you said, that whole new metal thing was happening. We weren't that. Um, we, we, we were appealing to blues fans, but almost in like a fresh original way. So, yeah. um, 
I hope I answered the question. I feel like I went out on a tangent <laughs> a little bit, but uh, no, no, you you got there. You got you got you got what exactly what I was I was thinking because I mean you know you 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 guys come back into that. It's it's always a rebirth of blues rock in sort of a new way. You, you you see it come back every so year, every, you know, five or ten years people will remember. And it's never the same. It's like you said, it's it's new stuff. You sort of adapt to where you're at. But it's always going to be just a little bit different. It comes back. And, and uh, you know, you guys were uh, somewhat ahead of the curve, I feel like. Um, now, I've got to ask, since Steepwater was was forming in Chicago, and I know you're you're a sports fan, more a little bit more on the baseball side, but since it was around the end of the '90s, and we just saw the Last Dance come out, did did you get to go to any of those Bulls games? I, I did. I, I didn't ever get to go to any playoff games, but uh, my parents were big Bulls fans, and so my brother and I made it a point to get tickets and take them at least once or twice a season during the 90s nice. so i saw jordan play a bunch and we my wife and i watched the documentary the, over this pandemic time and uh man great to relive some of those memories yeah. and what what a time for chicago sports and, <laughs> and you know being able to witness jordan is uh you know on a side note we got in 2018 we got to open for bon jovi at the united center where the bulls played uh and so when we did that gig i'm also a big blackhawks fan as well but being in the hallways in the basement of of the united center getting ready to play that gig all i could think of is that we were walking the halls of jordan and pippen and those guys walked you know like That was the biggest thrill. Not to mention that I've seen a lot of great bands in that building also, like the Stones, Paul McCartney, David Gilmore, Roger Waters, you name it, you know? So, uh, but yeah, the Bulls were really important um, time here in Chicago, obviously, in their 90s. And I did get to see Jordan play a handful of games. I would say somewhere between probably seven and 15 times I saw him play. Yeah, man. I wish, I wish I would have got to see him more than I did. You know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in Chicago, so I was always trying to catch him on the road. And, you know, I I caught him, uh, in, in Charlotte, we watched him and, Usually, whenever I would, whenever I would watch a Jordan game, he they they would bring it so hard and they were so good. You'd get like the first or second quarter, and then Jordan would be out for the rest of the game, especially when it was like against Charlotte because they were horrible at that time. So the you know the Bulls would get up by like thirty five, and I'd be like, ah, oh, he's gonna be setting the bench the rest of the game. Oh man, I missed it. But. They, it, it for sure, it had, Chicago probably re- realizes now how spoiled they were for, for 10 years there in the 90s of just amazing basketball. Got a little bit of a glimpse there with Derrick Rose and that crew. It was like, ah, oh, it's coming back. Oh, oh. they, they're, they're gone now. Oh, man. Yeah, I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to be good again there for a minute, like you said, and, and they had the pieces in place for a minute, and then. When their coach, uh, Thibodeau, when he 
got removed or left or what happened. It seemed like things really fell apart. And now they're just, yeah. they didn't even get invited to the bubble this year. They weren't good enough. Not so even, yeah. They're all at home, I guess. I don't know. Sad, man. Well, speaking of Chicago, obviously it's a great city and it's a great food city. Yes! I mean, Italian beef sandwiches, deep dish pizza, steaks, hot dogs, everything. Yes! And I love to ask all my uh, my guests this question, but if I call you up and I say, Joe, I need a place to eat in Chicago, I've got one night in the whole city. Now, obviously, it's impossible to give me one just definitive best answer of where to eat. But right now, if I ask you that question and you're thinking off the top of your head, where would you tell me to eat? Well, it's Chicago. To me, that's synonymous with pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. a pizza guy. Sweet. I'm telling you to go to Lou Malmati's Pizza. That's, mm. in my opinion, the best Chicago deep dish mm. uh, pizza in the world. And, and so that's what I'm saying. Lou Malmati's. Go there and grab yourself a nice uh, a, a pizza. And, and that's the way that's now, what I would tell you to now do. Now, I've, I've thought about this. They have where you can buy Lou's online. Uh, you know, and get it get it overnight shipped to you as far as the deep dish pizza. Have you ever tried that? Because, I mean, if it's anywhere close to the real deal feel of in the restaurant, I might have to just try it that way. Well, I've never tried that, but I will tell you this. We have one with, right down the road from us mm-hmm. within like uh, 10 minutes drive. So, like, even during this pandemic, we've done like a, a curbside pickup <laughs> there. And, uh, I will I will say this like we'll get a big one and we'll eat part of it and then we will freeze it we'll put it in the freezer for a couple of weeks and when we reheat it the second time we take it out of the freezer we put it in the oven yeah um it comes out as good if not better than when we got it when we originally got it the first night so if they I, I'm not sure how they do it but if they ship it to you semi-frozen or or where you could reheat it or whatever i'm guessing it'd probably still be really good so right. I, i'd say take a chance and go for it where, where you're in florida correct yeah mm-hmm. okay i'm giving it i, I yeah, give it a uh, shot i bet they can do it they can overnight it they got the technology now i'm gonna i'm we're gonna give it a try we're gonna see how it goes for sure i think i think it'll be you should i think it'll be good um well, back to back to the music. What? You guys started out as a trio. <laughs> <laughs> you like that segue? Yeah. Just right back in. You just Oh yeah. <laughs> you guys started out as a trio, uh, like you said, and you added Michael, uh, Michael Conley, and uh right after fairly quickly after that, you guys came out with the first album. Did you guys did you guys change when Michael came into the band? Was it sort of a different approach to writing those songs, or did did you guys already have sort of a catalog when he came in, and you were like, these these are the songs we should record for this album? You know, he he was a really good friend who was hanging around a lot and mm-hmm. was playing harmonica with us. Mm-hmm. And um, originally, we we kind of asked him to play harmonica on our original EP, and he asked us to be the band on his EP of his songs. So. Mm-hmm. That's kind of was kind of two separate things, and then he was at our gigs all the time, and then we would ask him to sing a couple of his songs, mm-hmm. and they would go over good. So it was really natural how he just kind of like slipped into the band. But between him and Jeff, 
and and that's well really the three of us were kind of writing songs and he was kind of writing songs off on his own mm -hmm. but when when he kind of slipped when it just kind of like melded together uh there was just a bunch of songs hanging around whether it was between the songs we already had or the songs that he had kind of brewing and he also kind of became open to us giving our ideas on his songs as well so um it was really natural and we had a ton of material hanging around mm -hmm. and it it was just uh it was just a natural progression of how things went when he joined the band and um you know we made a couple of great records with him that people to this day speak highly of and ask us about and uh unfortunately he just uh didn't want to continue after the second record i i you know, it's just like anything with bands, you know, mm -hmm. people sometimes come and go and, and the three of us wanted to continue. And, and we've obviously seen other member changes since then as well. But um, yeah, Mike had some great songs already kind of like hanging around. He always had a ton of stuff. So it was, it was natural for us to just want to play his songs. We were all into the same kind of music and, um, you know, it, it just worked. Yeah. For that time period in the band, it was it was great. Well, I was I was gonna ask. You know, you mentioned him leaving the band after the second album, and it seemed like sort of a a weird time right after that second album because you, you you lose your management, Michael leaves, but it it never really seemed like there was a question of are we are we going with Steve Water right? You guys kept going. Was there ever a time of like maybe we should refashion what we're doing or rethink it? Or was it always just like, okay, well, we still got the three trio. Let's do it. Yeah, it was a little strange because we had been together at that point with the four of us for almost, excuse me, almost four years. Mm -hmm. So um, when Mike left, we, we the three of us kind of had a meeting and said, you know, we could break up or we could go down in the rehearsal studio and try it as a three-piece again and see how it feels. Yeah. And, uh, so we just kind of went in the basement and, you know, into the rehearsal studio and jammed and it, it just kind of worked. I don't know. It, we still had chemistry between the three of us and that's kind of how, how it happened. You're right. Our backs were very against the wall. Um, and what, what had happened was we had gotten invited on a festival in Europe. We had never been to Europe. We got invited on the Azkina rock festival mm -hmm. in Europe. But they thought it was going to be sort of in support of the, the last album, Dharmakaya, at that time. Yeah. Was as a four piece. So we had to, we had to be real honest with them and say, hey, man, we're a trio. If you dig it, I think we made a recording of ourselves in the basement and sent it to them. Like, mm. this is what the band sounds like now as a trio. Yeah. If you want us to still come, we'll come play. And we did. They, they they said yeah we still would like to have you so we nice they, they paid to fly us there we played played in Europe at at the festival and uh, went over huge we played with Wilco and Drive By Truckers and uh, we had a big jam session where we jammed with the guys from Drive By Truckers including Jason Isbell and Patterson Hood and nice. just things just took off immediately in Europe as a three piece so yeah. um, we kind of at that point went into the studio and. And it was, again, pretty natural. It's like, hey, if the gigs are there and the songs are there and people want to hear them, 
Let's go play them. For sure. Well, speaking of people wanting to hear them, and you mentioned it with that festival, I've seen a bunch of interviews of everybody in the band, uh, you know, uh, former and present, Eric, Joe, Todd, Jeff, talk about how they love Spain. How Spain is like the the best place to play. What is it that made uh, Spain so good? Because we got some regular listeners of the Doc G Show in Spain. Shout what out. makes Spain such a cool place to play? Well, it's cool because it's the people are cool. The food is amazing. The wine is amazing. The scenery is amazing. Um, people celebrate life there. You know, yeah. like every meal there is like a celebration of life, and that's different than are like go through a drive-through kind of lifestyle here in America. Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, you, you could be on the road at two o'clock in the afternoon and need to be at soundcheck and you, you go into like a, a rest area restaurant kind of deal and everybody sits down and the bottle of wine comes out and, and you know, it's like a, it's like an hour and a half event. Like, <laughs> and don't we got to be at soundcheck, you know, like, so it, just going there has been amazing, but for some reason, there's a really strong, um, you know, there's a strong backing for roots rock. There, people just they love roots and blues rock and and old school stones and and humble pie and you know and and the faces and and all the early seventies, late sixties blues rock is. Yeah king there still with so many people it's like a tradition it's been handed down and and uh we just appealed to that scene everyone really likes the band there and um we are beyond thankful for it because it's it's there there have been some years where you know it's like going to spain and and selling records and merch and playing great gigs there have been the highlight of the year and have almost saved the year in some yeah. ways, you know, where it's like, you know, when you're grinding it in the clubs in, in, in uh, the Midwest, let's be honest, not every, every night is a huge packed, crazy night, you know, yeah. it, it turns into a bit of a grind. And when, when you get the chance to go over there and play for fans that really appreciate you and, and experience the culture of an amazing country, it becomes like what you want to do. There was a minute where there, there's been discussions of going there to record records and yeah. staying there, you know, extendedly. Yeah. There's, there's been people in the band that have, have talked about moving there, you know, yeah. like, why don't we just move here and, and make this our home? So it really is home, home away from home. And, um, there's other parts of Europe that are, have really welcomed us as well. Germany, Poland, Scandinavia. Yeah. And we were supposed to go to the UK this year. We had a great tour lined up in the UK just in June. Mm. And uh, obviously with COVID, everything's been put on the back burner for right now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully you get back to Spain quick. They, they seem, they seem to love you. Good, good roots, blues, and good food. It's a good combo, man. A fantastic combo. Oh yeah. Uh, sure. Well, you mentioned it, uh, earlier, uh, you guys, you've now opened for Bon Jovi twice, uh, in the United Center. It's actually, uh, uh, sort of spread apart. You had a 2005 and then, and then just a couple of years ago there, and I never really, uh, I never really saw this. I know the first gig that you guys did, you were actually uh, picked by a radio station there in Chicago to open for them. The second show, did Bon Jovi 
choose you guys? Did they call you up and say, hey, will you open for us again? No, actually, um, a guy that works at Live Nation that uh, has booked us on previous shows, he was he worked in Chicago at the House of Blues, and then he got uh, he got transferred to Los Angeles, and he was working out there for a number of years, and then he got transferred back to Chicago in 2018, and he literally was just getting to Chicago when he got a call from Bon Jovi's people saying, Hey man, get us an opener for the Chicago show. Cause they, they've been doing that for years now where they either hold contests or have a radio station or someone get a, a local band in every city to open for them. So, uh, they, they called their live nation. They called live nation and, and ended up becoming his assignment. And because he had booked us on so many other successful shows, he literally called our manager and said, Hey, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are interested in this, but I got this assignment to get this gig. You, you know, would you guys be want to do it? And of course, anytime you got a chance to play for 22,000 people at your hometown arena, it, it was coincidental that we had done it before, but yeah. we, of course, weren't going to say no, you know. So uh, it was going to be our last show to basically end the Shake Your Faith tour dates. And also, in the end, became Todd's last show we ever played with the band. So It's a good way to go we out. Went, we did it. Yeah, right? <laughs> How about it? So we, we went and did it, and uh, Bon Jovi's production people couldn't have been nicer. And in fact, this time around, they... They gave us the whole show on HD video on a, on a thumb drive before we left, and uh, nice. And we asked, "Hey, would it be okay for us to do anything with this?" And they just kind of said, "Well, no one said you can't, right?" So Sweet. we took a professional audio recording that our sound man did off the board and a blend with an audience uh, recording. And he synced it to the video that they gave him, and we actually put it on YouTube. So nice. if anybody wants to watch this open for Bon Jovi, just go to YouTube and put in Steepwater Bon Jovi United Center Chicago, and it should come right up. For sure, for sure. Well, along with those uh, famous acts, uh, I, I keep seeing this pop up, uh, where you guys uh, met Eddie Van Halen in Detroit, 2007, I never really got details to this. All I heard was that uh, uh, it was mentioned once that he threw his guitar to prove its durability during these conversations, and then there were follow-up phone calls. Uh, what what have? Can you give us a, a little bit of a synopsis, or at least uh, you know any details to this uh, encounter with Eddie? Ben, if you had a two and a half hour radio show, then I could totally get into it because <laughs> it's the longest, most complicated, bizarre story that you'll ever hear <laughs> to the point where sometimes when we tell it, some people just kind of like shake their head and walk away or almost get, I've actually told the story in a club before and had a musician get angry at me, like, and want to fight saying <laughs> that your story is fake and you're full of, you know what, and wanting to fight me. So <laughs> honestly, all I could say is that a friend of a friend gave us his telephone number who someone that I won't even mention who that is, who toured with, with Van Halen mm -hmm. and on a, a drunken night, one night after a show, we, we dared to call him and he answered the phone. And, uh, <laughs> we, we spent like three hours on a telephone with him. And, um, at the end of the phone conversation, he said, 
Hey, man, uh, you know, I really like you guys because you haven't asked me for anything. You just have told me about your band and you've listened to me and uh, everybody wants something from Eddie Van Halen, but not you guys. Because you know what? I got your number. I'll call you sometime. So sure enough, a week later, he called us. We're in the van on the road doing gigs. He called us at like 2 o'clock in the morning one night. And, <laughs> and that created a, a conversation or a uh, relationship on the phone for about two years where we would talk to him and uh, <laughs> late nights from hotels from our van. And uh, yeah, he's, he's a crazy character. Like you said, he threw his guitar across the room because he was trying to say he's tough on his guitars. Look at this. These guitars are, they're built to withstand stuff. And he threw his guitar across the room. And, and uh, well, I have so many crazy stories. Like I said, if you had two hours, we could get into it. But, um, in, in the end, he wanted to meet us and he forgot that we lived in Chicago. And by the time that we connected when he was here, uh, it, it was like too late. Like his days were planned and, and yeah. his guest list was full. Yeah. So his, his, uh, he asked us, could you guys come to Detroit? Well, of course, you know, we can drive four and a half hours. If we're going to go hang out with Eddie Van Halen. So yeah. in fact, in 2007 on their reunion tour with Dave, we did. He invited us and we, we took him up on it and we went and hung out with him at Soundcheck. We were the only people in the crowd for the whole Soundcheck. Uh, we hung out backstage with him Man. for like literally all afternoon, all evening until he went on stage. And uh, um, we, it, I will say... In the end, he went to rehab after that tour, and they changed his phone number. And oh. I think they just kind of felt like anyone that was in his phone that he was, at, you know, in touch with, maybe was up to no good with him. Yeah. When they tried to get him clean, so we haven't heard from him at all. But uh, we did have about a two and a half year phone phone relationship Man. with him, and uh, he's certainly a character. <laughs> he's got a heart of gold for sure, and he's, uh, you know, he's. I, I sum it up with this. I think he's the kind of guy who has done everything. He's been to the top of the mountain. He's made all the money, made all the records, you know, had all the hit songs. And uh, at the time that he found us through a friend of a friend, I think we were just someone for him to, to just be able to get his, you know, to frustrations n- out talking to or whatever it was. He, he was just, we were an outlet for him. And uh, I was happy to do it. You know, he was... He was the guy back to MTV. He was, was the guy say. jumping around playing guitars when I was 13 years old on my television set. And then to become friends with him more or less and had a chance to hang out with him was a thrill for me. So, man, uh, what a, what a I, phone I, I would pal love, to have. Someday we'll, yeah. Yeah. Someday you and I, you know, if, if you ever just want to have a conversation off the air, you let me know. And <laughs> I could tell you all kinds of crazy stuff about him. It's it's like you said. It sounds like he just sort of wanted a a an ear. That's crazy. That's a crazy story. Well, back to your band. I want to get up to this most recent album. Two years ago, Todd, the original bass player of the band, a guy that you had been jamming with before you even started the band, uh, like you said, decided it's it's time to step away. It's time for me. To, to bow out of steep water and you know considering the bass and drums need to be in lockstep that yes! your rhythm section and that you've been playing with todd for 20 years over 20 years it seems like it'd be almost nearly impossible to find a replacement 
But Joe Bishop comes into the picture, and it, it almost seems from the outside like he just seamlessly, boom, right into the band. Uh, was it as seamless as it seemed from the outside of Joe coming into the band? It truly was. And he was a friend and a fan of the band and someone that we had watched grow as a musician. Uh, he had first seen us when we opened for Government Mule at the House of Blues mm -hmm. and uh, had been inspired. At the, you know, he at the time was playing in his church band and raising a couple kids. And, and, uh, and when he saw us play... He was like, man, those guys are great. I, I would love, love to to do something like that. So yeah. he, he kind of followed us for years and became a friend. And, and it inspired him to start playing more rock and roll and, and join some bands around South Bend, Indiana, where he lived. And uh, via Facebook, I was able to kind of watch Joe as a musician. He started playing with the Paul Erdman Band, which was a popular band in northern Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, he... he started to get all these gigs, he kind of became the go-to bass player in Northern Indiana for like all kinds of gigs. And yeah. uh, so, so when, when it became apparent that Todd wasn't going to come back to the band after the hiatus, I called Joe and just said, Hey, you know, it doesn't look like Todd's coming back. Are you interested in, you know, in doing some gigs or joining the band or, and he was just beyond thrilled to have gotten a call. He, he literally said, man, I, I'm, I can't even believe I'm on the phone with you. He, he expressed his sadness that Todd was leaving because Todd was one of his favorite bass players. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, and I, on that note, I was sad too, you know. I mean, I, like you said, I've been playing with Todd. He's really the only bass player I'd played professional gigs with in my whole life. So yeah. I knew it was going to be a big adjustment as well. But... Joe came in, man, and it couldn't have. If, if we don't find the guy, if we don't find the right guy, the band might be over. You know, we yeah. might have just wrapped it up. But, but he came in, and we we just said, you know, we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for feel and tone, and and see how you gel with with how we play. And he came in and played about fifteen songs the first day, and uh, we were just like. We, he's the only guy we called, the only guy we auditioned, and he just nailed it. Like he was, I, we were like, call the agent, book gigs, we're ready to go. You know, as soon nice. as we knew we had someone in place. But um, yeah, the reaction to him has been amazing. All the fans have said that, man, I don't know how you guys pulled that off, but but it's like we've we've got the guy, and we've maybe even, I don't know, even stepped it up, but. Our groove is right there, and um, we really didn't lose a beat. So, nice. yeah, you're right. It's been seamless. Nice. Well, once you guys got Joe and the band uh, and you started recording the new album, it hadn't really been, you know, he hadn't been in the band that long. And, you know, you guys, like you said, handful of gigs. Uh, were you a little nervous? Were you, uh, the two or the three remaining guys in the band, aside from Joe, did you guys look at each other and be like, should, should we give him parts to play on this new album or should we just let him go? Or was it just like from the start, you were like, you know what, Joe's going to do his thing on this album. We have faith in him. Exactly that. We, we trusted him. We thought he was you know, Jeff really thinks the world of Joe as a player. And right away, it just became apparent that he has the instinct to know what fits and what doesn't. Nice. And uh, we, as a band, we never, no one ever really 
writes someone else's part. Like no one ever comes up with something in their head and says, oh, this is the way the drum should go or this is the way the bass should go. We we always leave it up to interpretation of the individual musician. And mm-hmm. so um, it was the same with Joe. We, we just let him roll with it. And I think he really knocked it out of the park, man. The bass playing on the new record, is it's right there. It's perfect. For sure, for sure. Well, uh, once again, this new album, it's, uh, it's a, a lot like Revelation Sunday and the fact of the way that you guys recorded this. Yes! You didn't have any of the big uh, producers that you've had in the past. You didn't go to a big studio. You just said, let's go up to my brother's place on the lake. We're going to record it here. It's going to, you know, we're going to do most of it sort of live. What do you think the the benefits of recording in that sort of stripped back style are? Well, just the familiarity and the relaxation part of it. You know, if Mm. you're, if you're getting to even sleep in your own bed, well, I guess, I guess Joe and Eric didn't because they had to come. We're we're all separated where we live, and mm-hmm. we're about four hours apart in mm-hmm. four different towns. So, uh, you know, my brother, he, as a producer or engineer, more more like a engineer, uh, he looks at it, Pro Tools as like a tape recorder. He looks at it like he's hitting record on a on a reel to reel machine. Yeah, as long as the mics are set up in the right place and we give good performances, that that's a little he's kind of the anti-producer in that way and um we we didn't find ourselves up against trying to please a producer or play something a producer's got in his head that he wants to hear we're playing what we want to hear what we feel and there's there's pros and cons to both but um i feel like we were just relaxed enough to be able to create and not really second guess or think about what a producer's looking for. My brother likes the way we play, you yeah. know, uh, not that every producer doesn't, but when, when you're working with a producer, it's their job to, to pull things out and find different things. And whereas my brother, his job to him is to hit record and let us rock, you yeah. know, and that's it. Nice. Nice, man. Well, the album came out fantastic. There's a lot of great jams on there. Uh, the the title track is great. Turn of the Wheel. Uh, Trance is fantastic. Uh, Big Pictures is good. Uh, I, you know, I know, I know it's hard for the artist to always say like, oh, this is my favorite song because they're all your favorites. You came up with them. But right now, if I ask you, and you, you were saying, which one are you feeling the most recently? Like, you, you, you're really jamming on the most recently. What would you say? Hmm, good question. Uh, I, I think that's not the way. It's a song. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. the last song on the first side of the record, mm-hmm. or it's right in the middle of the CD. It has a sax part. First time we've ever had a saxophone on one of our songs. Kind of, we're kind of going for like a "Can't You Hear Me Knocking." Yeah, that song's actually started to get a little bit of airplay on a classic rock station here around Chicago, and uh, and I hear so many good things from people in the area about the song. So right now, that's probably my favorite one on the record. And if I had a second one, I mean, I, I like the whole record. It's really, I really think it's a strong record. But for um, sure. I think that the very last song, the piece you're looking for, that, that closes the record out, I think is a, just a really great song for the times right now. And uh, nice. those are my two favorite right now, I think. Nice. I like how you uh, you can tell you're a vinyl man. Yes! You, you you went with the 
with which side of the album it was instead of, and then you're like, oh, right, and on a CD, I guess, wherever that is in the middle. Used to, used yeah. to calling it out you know, on the we vinyl. Made, yeah, for sure. We made a big boo-boo with the, with the vinyl. So we, we cut one of the songs from the vinyl that's on the, the CD. It's a mm. song called Make It Right. Mm. And uh, so we went to make a, a montage video with some older footage, and we left it up to the video production guy to pick what song he wanted to make a, the first video for. Mm. And what does he do? He picks that song, <laughs> Make It Right, which didn't make the record and only made the CD. So you get people discovering the record through YouTube by yeah. catching the song Make It Right and then they realize it's not on the vinyl record and that that was just a crazy decision that I don't know <laughs> everyone loves that song Make It Right as well so you just never know but yeah for me I look at records like Side A Side B I don't know I'm sure there's other people out there who do the same but um, oh yeah I listen to CDs as well and 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 uh, you know occasional streaming if I don't have something that I want to hear for sure, for sure. You get the full experience on the vinyl, though. That's for sure. Yep. Well, congratulations on, on the release of the album, man. It came out fantastic, and uh, and hopefully more and more people get to hear it because uh, it's it's a great album. Hopefully you guys get to get to tour, you know, sometime soon and get to play these songs live. I, I mean, I know you guys are, yeah. are wanting to do that. Yeah, our plan is to probably relaunch the record next year mm -hmm. with maybe like a bonus disc of some extra stuff, maybe a couple of more new tracks, but relaunch the record. In fact, my, my idea as of right now is to perhaps call it return of the wheel mm. and mm. put it back out next year to coincide with tour dates in Europe and in the States and get, get the, the van back on the road and, and get us rolling again, you know, but, um, that remains to be seen. We're, we're all just holding on tight for what's going to happen going into 2021. But I hope everybody stays safe, and I hope everybody's able to get back to rocking and getting out to shows Yeah, ASAP. For sure, for sure. I think we're all in the same boat there. Uh, Joe, we are up against a break, man, but it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you, Ben. I didn't ex uh, expect it to be such a... a in-depth interview. I really appreciate <laughs> being on the show with you today. So thanks again. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. And uh, listeners, uh, if you need to check out anything Steepwater, you can obviously check them out on their website, and you can also check them out on Instagram at Steepwater Band. Right now, let's take a, a listen to one of those new songs. Let's take a listen to uh, That's Not The Way right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc A G A Show, the Steepwater Band, right there. Boom! Good stuff, man. Steepwater Band, rocking it from, rocking it from Chicago. We all know you haven't been to Chicago, Jake. No. But, but you can order a pizza from Chicago. I looked it up, Jake, and you can order the Lou. Malnati's Pizza from Chicago. So his suggestion, any listeners out there that want to try out uh, uh, original deep dish Chicago style pizza can go online and order some Lou Malnati's. Now, I'll go ahead and warn you, Jake. It's not the cheapest stuff. Well, it's it's a little pricey. Um, Your best deal is with six. If you get six pizzas at once, it's uh, it's $115. So you're, you know, you're running like a little under $20 a pie, which isn't bad, right? Yeah. But if you get two, if you just get two, it's $67. So, oh my gosh. Now now you're talking an expensive yeah. pie there, yeah. you know? So you I mean, better buy in bulk. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it'd be worth it. Like if I'm going to get some authentic Chicago pizza. Yeah. I feel like I yeah. would be willing to pay that. You know? Yeah. I th- I'm, I'm going to try it, Jake. I'm going to try it, and I mean, hopefully, you'll you'll be over at my place before we go on our road trip uh, for you to try it. Hopefully, yeah. we won't have to wait all the way till then. Mm. You can come down and try it, and we'll get some we'll get some authentic deep dish pizza before we come in the studio. Um, who was I going to? Oh yeah, Jake. How much? How excited would you be if you could go to a, 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 a authentic Jordan performance, a real Jordan game? Hmm. Huh? Yeah, huh? I, I, I wouldn't even know what to, because, I mean, he's the greatest of all time, and I just wouldn't. That's a fact. It, I'm lucky enough, Jake, to say that I got to. I got to see him live, in person. Got to see him. Got to see him. And like I told like I told uh, Joe, the sad part when I got to see him, uh, he blew out uh, the Hornet so bad that I only got to see him for like the first quarter and a half. So and true. then he didn't really play any of the rest of the game because they were up by like 40. And I was like, oh. Now that's well, at he- least I get to stare at his head. Yeah. That's cool. There he is on the bench. Ah, it's awesome. It's awesome. I've got a, he obviously by far is the best person I've ever seen in person play. I also got to see Vince Carter uh, several times when Vince Carter was playing for UNC back in the day. Okay. That's, that's how old I am, Jay. I got to see the super old guy that just retired in the NBA that's super duper old. I saw him in college. Yeah. That's right. He's the you right. know, he, he's the only 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 player to ever well he's dunked in four different decades in the NBA. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. I took a picture of him doing a 360 dunk on a disposable camera, Jake. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. I have that film somewhere. I have that picture of him doing a 360 dunk back in the ACC Conference Championship. Boom. Such good stuff. Anyways, I got derailed. Thanks to the Steve Water Band for coming on the show. Joe was fantastic. Hopefully, when they get back torn again, they can come through. I know they come through Jacksonville a lot. That's right. They like to play at the uh, the Blue Jay. They, uh, I think they play Ponte Vedra, too. They got to stop by. Be awesome if they could stop in the studio. That'd be fantastic. But again, 
If you haven't already checked it out, folks, check out their newest album, uh, Turn of the Wheel. So true. Turn of the Wheel. Very good. Very good album. Check it out. You heard three fantastic tracks from it on today's show. Uh, Jake, it is time, speaking of the all-time greatest, to go to our next segment, the newest segment on the show. You know what time it is. Give it to me, Jake. What is it? Shoe and tell. Shoe and tell. Yes. Yes. All right, let me get down here. I'm bringing it up. Okay. You ready to hear what it is? Yeah. Since I can't see it. Yeah, well, I know. That's why it's shoe and tell, not show and tell. Oh. Uh, It's the Air (laughs) Jordan 22s. 22s. These are the OG Omega 22s. The OG Omega 22s. Now, uh, this shoe, Jake, was released on Jordan's 44th birthday back in 2007. 2007. Okay. Now, again... This is uh, this isn't a Tinker Classic. Somebody else designed this, and uh, now this this is where it gets interesting, right? This shoe was designed by Dwayne Edwards. Say what? He also did the Twenty Ones. Has a really cool story, right? So Dwayne Edwards, he wanted to design shoes his whole life. Out of high school, he went to work at L.A. Gear, but since he didn't have a design degree, he was working in accounts payable. And the company had one of those little suggestion box for employees. So every day before he started his work in uh, uh, accounts, he would drop a shoe design into that uh, suggestion box. And 180 sketches later, president of LA Gear calls him into his office and he's like, hey, you want to be a designer? These shoes are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that is... Talk about your wish coming true, man. That's right, man. That's right. He made it happen. And then eventually, he's designing Jordans. He's designing dope Jordans. That's a fact. He made it all the way up. But actually, Dwayne Edwards, after he designed uh, that uh, Jordan, that was the last Jordan he designed. He actually stopped working for Jordan, and he opened up a school for shoe design in Portland. And he still runs that uh, school to teach people how to design shoes. Pretty dope. Okay. Yeah, pretty dope. Yeah. The shoe, it's... Well, I mean... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, once you, you... Even if you just design one Jordan... Yeah, right, that's... You've already... That's you've the reached top. The, the top. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. These are designed, too, by the way, off of the F-22 fighter pilot. That's what he designed the shoe off of. Oh, The cool. F-22 fighter pilot. Pretty dope. And the other weird thing that I didn't even notice until I was looking at this shoe is they're the second Jordan shoe to use the independent podular suspension of Zoom Air. Hmm. So if you if you take out the uh, if you take out the uh, the actual insole of the shoe, there's this little pod of Zoom Air in the heel that you can exchange for another pod that's actually a little thicker and a little bit harder as far as the air. So you can change Word. the uh, the density of your shoe if you want. Wild. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Wild. Chew and tell. This is an this is an oddball. I uh you know, uh, 22s aren't that big on the uh, on the retro list. But uh, it's one of the first shoes outside of those ones that I got in my collection. So I've had them. I've had them for a really long time, Jake. Solid. Solid. 
13 years to be exact, because I got them when they came out in 2007. Uh, Okay, Jake, now that we've got you and Tell out of the way, are you ready for the last birthday suit? Hmm. Hit me with it. Let's go. Okay, I would be extremely confident in this one, but it's just a little bit out of your age range, but you know old things, so I still gave it a 93%. So, I'm an old soul. There you go. There you go. Well, born on August 9th, 1967 in Fort Myers, Florida, our birthday suit wearer loves sports. Played a lot of them. Football, basketball, track, baseball. Played all of those in high school. Jeez. Uh, coming out of high school, the Kansas City Royals drafted him in the sixth round, but he decided not to go to baseball right away. He decided to go to college and focus on football. But even though he decided to focus on football, he still played uh, baseball and ran track in college. That's right. So in college, he ran track, played football, played baseball. In fact, one time... At both of our former alumni and your current school, Jake, USC, he played in a baseball game, in a tournament game, and then ran over to the track and ran in a relay race and then ran back to the baseball game to play in the rest of the baseball game. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, right? But he was really great, like I said, at uh, football. In football, he was a uh, he was an All-American and he, he, he played all these three sports at Florida State. After college, our football uh, our, our birthday suit wear played professional football and professional baseball. In football... We're talking about uh, Deion Sanders, right? Deion Sanders. Prime time. Neon. Deion. Yes. Yes, indeed. There we go. One of the fastest men ever in football. He ran a 4.27 40-yard dash Jeez. in the combine, Jake. Yeah. 427. Yeah. Ridiculous. One of the fastest and times ever recorded. Now his son is at a uh, is at USC now. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he had such good memories of playing baseball in both track there. He's like, "You got to go to USC." It's just so true. I played two sports in one day there, son. You got to try it out. It's pretty great. Nope. Um, he uh, let's see. He's a two-time Super Bowl champ, nine-time All-Pro, Defensive Player of the Year in 1994. Nadeon Sanders turning them 53. 53 looks in crazy good shape for a 53-year-old. I bet. Yeah. You, I bet you he could still blow me away in a 40-yard dash. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, percent. Yeah, think Dude, so. All these, all these guys like are in top shape in their fifties. Like Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. Herschel Walker. Randy Moss isn't doing. that old, but he he looks in pretty pretty good shape. He looks in pretty ridiculous shape. Yes! Michael Irvin isn't that old, but he looks in pretty ridiculous shape yeah. as well. Yes! Um. Well, you know, Terrell Owens, he's like 45, 46 yeah. now, and he just. Him and uh, was it Tyree Kill yeah. last week were running the forty yard dash, and Terrell Owens was keeping up with him. Yeah, pretty wild, man. Pretty wild. You think there are any PD PEDs going on there, or if it's just super superhuman uh, capacity? Uh, you know, well, those guys are already naturally gifted at birth, and I feel like they just probably stuck or realize how important it is to mm. keep working out mm. and they just they just stuck with it and stuck you know 
So. Well, I mean, regardless, uh, the bonus for them is they're not tested even if they were anyways. So, you know. Yeah. Sort of like, sure. it's sort of like so Sylvester true. Stallone, you know, just doping up all you can for your videos when you're 78 years old and you're like, screw it. I'm taking pounds of growth hormone. Here we go. Rambo 37. It's happening. <laughs> you know. Well, it's, <laughs> you can do it Wait, if you're that what? guy. Anyways, Jake. We've got a fantastic show next week. I got I, I bet I got a fantastic artist that you've never heard of, but after you hear of him, you're you're gonna want to hear more of his music. That's what I bet. Word. That's what I bet. Yeah. His name As is always. Matt Mays. Matt Mays. He uh Matt a lot Mays. of a lot of magazines have called him the Tom Petty of Canada. That's Say right. What? That's right. Tom Petty of Canada, Mr. Matt Mays. He's been in the game for a long time too. He's been in the game for about as long as uh, as as Steve Water. He's been rocking out some jams. He's got some pretty fantastic mm. ones, but built up a lot of accolades over the years. And we're gonna we're gonna chat with him this coming week. I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for it. It's gonna be a good show. Yes. Uh, until then, Jake, we got to wrap it up for this week. So, no. as per usual. The man that has seen Claude put out an amazing nacho recipe. None other than Jake, Papa J-Bones, parlor. Yeah, keep her sleazy. Woo! Woo! And until next time, zip it up and zip it out. <laughs> <laughs>